0: All right, if you could please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 22, we're going to be looking at verses 36 to 40. And just while we're getting there, I just want to say a big thank you to Meg, who has absolutely worked her socks off to get the breakfast ready for this morning. Thank you for that. And for your team of ladies that have been the smiling faces behind the table this morning, we are very grateful to you all for your hard work. All right, well, today, as many of you know, we are going to be looking at the topic of friendship. If you want a title for this morning, the title is Friendship, Time Worth Taking. But before we begin, there are two books that I've really found helpful in in preparing for this message, and I just wanted to recommend them to you for further study this morning. The first one is Friendish by Kelly Needham, and the second one is Connected by Erin Davis. I've been really influenced and helped by these ladies, and I'm very grateful for their hard work. But ultimately, what we are talking about this morning is coming from the Bible, and that's where I want us to begin. So if we're looking at Matthew 22... We're going to be reading verses 36 to 40 and in these verses Jesus is asked a question it says teacher which is the great commandment in the law and he said to him you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the great and first commandment and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets let's pray before we begin Lord, we do thank you for the gift of meeting together this morning. Lord, particularly after the year we've just had, we do not take this for granted, and we want to thank you for that opportunity. Lord, we pray that you would be with us this morning. I pray that you would help me in my weakness, Lord. Help me to communicate well and clearly, and help me to communicate your words and your heart to the ladies here. And would each of us here leave feel encouraged and challenged and, and spoken to by you. Amen. Right. Well, if I was to ask you, who are your friends? What names and faces come to mind? Who are the first people that you think of? Facebook tells me I have 750 friends. I don't have 750 friends, I don't. <laughs> and then I looked on Dave's Facebook, I was quite impressed with 750, and I looked at Dave and said 2000, and I'm like, oh, that is a load of rubbish. <laughs> anyway, I did a quick, like, quick scan through my friend list, and these friends consist of family members, they consist of childhood friends, people I went to school with, people I went to uni with, They consist of work colleagues that I've worked with previously. They consist of people in America, when we spent our year over there at the Parsons College, some people we connected with there. They consist, obviously, of people back in the UK that we love dearly. Um, and they consist of some people that I've actually never met. One thing with Dave and all his travelling, obviously he meets a lot of people and he you, and you goes to new places, and I get some friend requests from these people. And so I've connected with these people over Facebook, but I've never actually met these people, and probably will never meet these people this side of eternity. But anyway, my point is, are these 750 people really my friends? You know, what does it even mean to be a friend? How do we choose our friends? How do I know if I'm being a good friend, a true friend? And as with all things, for the answer to these questions, we need to be looking to God's word to see what he has to say. And so as we open up God's word together this morning, the one thing that I wanted to encourage us all in is this. Friendship is a gift from God. And when we truly know him and find our identity, security and purpose in him, it is then that we are free to be a true friend for others. Friendship is a gift from God. It was designed by God. He created the idea. Therefore, he has to define it. He has to tell us what it means to be a friend, not look into our own ideas. But it's only when we truly know him, truly know him as our friend, not just know a few things about him, but actually know him in a personal way, it is only then that we are able to be a true friend to others as biblically defined. And so if there's one thing that you take away from this morning, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. Friendship is a gift from God. And when we truly know him and find our identity, security and purpose in him, it is then that we are free to be a true friend to others. And so with that in mind, then here's the way I want to pan out this morning. These are two things we're going to look at. Number one, the motive for our friendship. What should even be our motivation in pursuing friendships? And number two, the model for friendship. What does friendship look like as biblically defined? And my hope for us all as ladies here is that we would open up God's words and we would understand his definition of friendship and what he says to us is important and not just settle for what the culture and the world tells us is important. So let's start with number one, then the motive for friendship. What should be our motive in all of our friendships? Well, in our passage for this morning, Matthew 22, Jesus gave two commands. Verse 37, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your mind. And in the second, he said, in the, sorry, in verse 39, he says, he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I believe there are two motives that we can learn about the pursuit of friendship from these verses. Firstly, our motive in friendship should be love for God. The first motive of our friendship should be love for God before anything else. As with all of life, our motive should be love for God. God gave these commandments in a specific order. And the order is important. The order matters. What what was the first command he said? He said, "Above everything else, the greatest and most important thing is always to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. That should come first in all things, including our friendships." But you know, if you're anything like me, we don't always think about that. I don't always think about that in every area of my life, particularly when it comes to friendships. You know, if I'm lonely or if I'm having friendship issues, my first inclination is not necessarily, "How can I love God through this? How can I put God first through this?" Because i turn to people you know it's a it's a people problem surely that's who i need to turn to that's where i need to look to to make things right my issue isn't with god i'm fine with god i look to people to sort those issues out my issues with my friend or my issue is i'm lonely why would i turn to god i need to look to people but the reality is we will not be able to fix our friendship issue until we first work on our relationship with god until we seek to seek to love him with all our heart soul and mind we'll not be able to fix the problems in our friendships if you're having relational challenges in your friendships, we won't be able to fix those until we seek to love God first. We need to work on our vertical relationship, as in our relationship with God, and put that in place before we can then seek to work out, okay, what does this look like on a horizontal? What does this look like with our relationships with others? But not only do we reverse the order of these commands, putting our friends before God, if again, if you're anything like me, it can be so easy to make all these things about ourselves, make it about me getting love, about me having my desires met, my expectations met. Not, I don't always make it about giving love, I make it about getting love, I can make it about me, which leads us to a second motivation for friendship. The commandment says, love God with all your heart, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So the second motivation for a friendship is that I love my neighbor as myself. It's so easy to make friendships about me. I've been challenging this again as preparing this message. Make it about my feelings, my desires, what i can get out of this relationship i become the focus i need to know that people love me i want to feel understood by people i want to feel appreciated by people i want their affection to come towards me and I was reminded of this actually the other day with my dog. As many of you will know, I have a dog called Willow, and I do love my dog. <laughs> my kids like to refer to her as my favorite child. She's, she's not my favorite child, but if you're gonna have a favorite child, the dog is a good, safe option to pick, anyway. <laughs> but I do love Willow, and she is the most obedient dog in the world, when there's something in it for her. If you've got treats, and you call Willow and say, come on Willow, she is over like a shot. She'll fight under the kitchen table straight you, and she'll sit right in front of you, bolt up right. And she sits there and you can say sit and she'll sit, you can say drop, she'll drop, you can ask for a paw, and she gives you a paw. Like I'm sure she'd scratch your back if she thought she was going to get something out of it. But, and if you're eating, if you sit down, you have a cup of tea, you have a biscuit or a piece of toast, whatever, she's bolt over there again, sat right up in front of you, eyes glued. It kind of reminds me, you know, in a classroom environment where you know the, the, t- the kids are trying to get the teachers attention and they all sit on up straight and look like that that's what she does because she wants to get there's something in it for her she's trying to get something she's trying to get my attention she's trying to get me to give her what she wants but she's too clever if she knows that i don't have treats i don't even know how she always knows this because i try and hide it sometimes But she just seems to know, like if I say, oh, well, come, and she's like, looks at me, and she's like, yeah, off the other way, I haven't got anything. Or if you tell her to sit, she's like, why? Why would I want to do that? What are you going to do to me? Anyway, the point is that she only does things if she thinks something is in it for her. And I think for us, sometimes we can be like that in our friendships. We wouldn't necessarily say that, but sometimes we're looking for what is in this for me? What can I get out of this? And I think sometimes we see that in the way we respond when we don't get what we want, you know? It can be tempting to start thinking, what's this friend ever done for me? I'm always the one texting her. She never messages me, she never asks how I am. She's never checking in. I don't think she really cares about me. Or I see these people always serving other people, making them meals, doing things for them. Nobody ever does anything for me. They don't care about me. I don't feel loved by them at all, you know? Head up to church, nobody speaks to me. It's a very unfriendly church. I don't even know why I keep going. Or gospel community group, they all seem to know each other really well. Nobody's bothered about me. Nobody speaks to me. Or youth group, I know that's a difficult age, but we turn up and we have that little assessment of all where's where's the in-crowd? Where do I fit? You know, are they going to accept me for as I am? And we go in with that focus on ourselves. Who's talking to me? Who's putting me in? But the reality is. Our relationships are not about us, but we make them so often about us. But that's not what the Lord commands of us. In this commandment we just read in Matthew 22, he's talking about loving others. He's talking about loving our neighbours as ourselves. He's not talking about seeking to get love. He's talking about seeking to give love. The focus is on loving God and then therefore loving others. Not focus on what we want, Is seeking, okay, who am I seeking to care for? Who am I seeking to reach out to? Who's standing around that nobody else might have noticed that I can seek to pull into this conversation, you know? Maybe those people didn't notice you walk in the room, but we stood there judging like, oh, they don't care. They haven't even, they they don't They've seen me walk in and they're just ignoring me. I walk past her in the hall doesn't even say hello. Maybe she didn't see you in the hall. Maybe she had her mind full with other things and she completely blanked you, not because she doesn't care about you, but because she's just so focused on some other things she's doing. But how are we seeking to engage people? what how are we initiating inviting people over inviting things people to do things how are we seeking to give love rather than just get love i think it'd be very easy to view our friendships a bit like an atm machine you know we put our card in we get our cash out we give to our friends they give to me the time and the attention that i feel like deserve we get disappointed when our expectations aren't met when we keep giving 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 they're not giving back to me No, surely they should be repaying me by now I don't think we intentionally do these things but I think just subconsciously sometimes that's how our thinking sets in I'm sure you've all heard about the term FOMO fear of missing out I'm sure you have because if I've heard about it probably everyone else has I'm usually one of the ones. I'm the one walking around calling memes memes for a while because that's what I'm my kids were very impressed with that one either anyway FOMO fear of missing out friends meet up and we're not invited and maybe you see and I'm sorry sorry Amy I am probably just embarrassed you now as well but anyway we see on Facebook oh our friends got together the other day I wasn't invited I wonder why they didn't invite me or you get that twinge of jealousy you know they're not they're not think clearly I'm not that important to them they must be prefer being with those other people rather than they do being with me or maybe you were invited but you couldn't go and therefore you see I've yeah, had such a great time and you're like oh little hurt again clearly don't need me to have a lot of fun but you just scattered you weren't there are we excited that they had a good time and pleased are blessed by that are we thinking about what did I miss out on what do they think about me now maybe they know things about each other now that I'm not even aware of I'm clearly not on the inner circle of that group we're wondering what we missed out if we don't really think we don't really want them to have a good time without us and I again was challenged by this when I was a growth group leader <laughs> which I'm not presently but my group always seemed to have the best time when I wasn't there, <laughs> I'm sure I'd used it in my life to reveal certain things He definitely did. You know, they would meet on a Wednesday night and then Thursday morning, the WhatsApp groups going off, and they're all saying how great a great time they had and how encouraged they were. And, you know, did I want them to have a great time? Yes, I did. But there was that part of me where I was like, oh, they clearly don't need me. <laughs> they clearly don't love me that much. They don't need me to have a good time. I have FOMO. I had fear of missing out. I wanted to be there. What do they now know about each other that I don't know about them? You know, I was very much focused on myself. And what is FOMO, really? It's focusing on ourselves. We are more bothered about our needs, our desires, our wanting to be in, our wanting to feel loved, than we are about other people. And we have certain expectations on these friendships, and we're making them about ourselves. But the Bible teaches something quite different. And this is what Kelly Needham says in her her book, Friendship. She writes, According to Jesus... What we need to do most is not seek to be loved, but seek to give love. Did you catch that? The two greatest commands are not, one, make sure you meditate on how much God loves you, and two, find others to love you. Contrary to popular belief, our souls are the healthiest when they aren't seeking love, but giving love. First to God, and second to others. That's why you must start building the house of friendships with a foundation of loving God. If we do not learn how to love him, we will have no hope to love others well. Listen to this. I love this picture. It says, love for God is the power source. Love for others is the output. It is so easy to make our relationships about getting love rather than giving love, to see what we can get out of it. We don't want to be the one serving all the time. We want to be loved. We're looking for someone who just flicks with us, who understands, who knows what I'm thinking before I even tell them. But that's not what the Bible teaches. I love how Kelly says, love for God is the power source, love for others is the output. I just think that's so well put. And it's so important we get those the right way around, that we don't put the cart before the horse. The only way, the only way we will truly love people is if we turn the power source on. And the power source is love for God. You know, the power source is the horse that pulls the friendship, that guides the friendships, loving God with all that we are. It's only then that we can seek to love our friends well. And we must start building the house of friendships with a foundation of loving God. Loving God is the power source when our identity, security, and purpose is in Him. Only when Jesus is our true friend we will we be able to love our friends well because we won't be looking to our friends to fill that relational void that actually only God was make, meant to fill. Our friends were never meant to complete us, to satisf- satisfy us, to fulfill us only God can do that and our friends as lovely as they are will always disappoint us in those areas we need to make sure we're primarily looking to God to fill that void that he was meant to fill, and then we'll be able to seek to care for others then we'll be able to seek to love others without primarily thinking what am I getting out of this only then we'll be able to love our friends well to speak truth to them when it's difficult to care for them to spur them on to point them back to Jesus only when we're loving God first we'll be able to do these things and only when we're loving God, God first will we be able to let friendships go. Sometimes friendships are hard. Sometimes circumstances change. Sometimes your friends may not have time for you in the way they used to. And it's not because they don't like you anymore. Maybe their family circumstances have changed. Maybe they've got elderly parents or sick family members they're seeking to care for. But they just don't have the time for you that they used to. And that hurts. It does. But if our primary identity security and purpose is in the Lord we are able to let them go to serve their family members or do whatever they need to do in a way of seeking to love them because ultimately our identity security and purpose are not rooted in that friendship we're rooted in the Lord and we've enjoyed that friendship and the gift it is but when it's come to an end we're able to let it go because Jesus is our ultimate and our true friend and I wonder how myself was described I'm not asking for a show of hands so you don't need to put your hand up but how many of us would describe Jesus as a friend? Yeah, I think that's something we often think of as a little bit for children's ministry. It's something very cute when, do you, when kids say, Jesus is my friend. It's like, oh, that's lovely. <laughs> but actually, Jesus wants to be our friend too. It's not just about Jesus being friends with kids. He wants us to really know him, to really know him in a personal, personal way and understand who he is. Not just know about him from things we've read, but really understand who he is. He wants us to have that relationship, that friendship with with him. And that means that we don't just know things about him in an in a academic way. You know, like I said, I know quite a bit about friends about on, on my Facebook account, but some of them I haven't spoken to for 30 years because I went to primary school with them. And they're still very sweet and they like my posts sometimes and that's very lovely. But the reality is I don't know much about them. I know um, I know where they live. I know if they have kids maybe. I know a little bit about what hobbies they like. I know um, where they go on holiday, if they post holiday snaps, but I don't really know them. I don't really know what their day-to-day life looks like now. I don't really know what struggles they face. I don't know what things they really enjoy, what makes them tick. And I don't know what their day-to-day looks like. I don't know how they feel about selling things. All I know is a little bit of information about them. It paints a little bit of a picture, but it doesn't really paint a true picture of who that person is. But the truth of the Bible is that God wants to be our friends. He really wants to know us. He really wants to have that relationship with us. He really wants us to love him. Jeremiah 9, 24 says this, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth and all these things I delight declares the Lord. Now there is no doubt in the Bible that God wants us to know him. We see it all the way through but what is truly amazing I think what sometimes we can forget what we do see in the Bible is that he actually really knows you. He knows us as a group of ladies but he also knows us as individuals. Psalm 31 7 says this, God knows the distress of your soul. He knows the things that keep you awake at night that you're lying in bed thinking about when everyone else is asleep he knows what's going through your mind in the dark he knows what bothers you he knows what you cry over even if you've never told anyone else he knows that psalm 139 4 says before you speak a word god knows what you say that's always a bit of an ouch one for me but um god knows what you're thinking right this second he knows what's on your mind you don't have to tell him he does know he knows you psalm 139 16 he knows the exact number of days you will live he planned the day you were born and he planned the day you would die and he planned every day in between he knows your life he created luke 12 7 says he knows the number of hairs on your head he knows you intimately none of us know the answer to these questions we don't even know about ourselves but god knows it about every person in this room psalm 139:1 1 says oh lord you have searched me and know me He has examined you closely He sees you. He is the God who sees. He sees you every day. He sees you every night. He knows what makes you tick. He actually knows you better than you know yourself because he understands your heart in a way we don't understand our hearts. He really knows us. And the amazing thing is that even though he knows all these things about us, all the good things, all the bad things, the things we've never told anyone, he wants to have a personal relationship with you. Isn't that amazing? The God... created everything created you knitted you together in your mother's womb Created the whole universe sustains the galaxies spins the stars everything he wants to have a relationship with you a personal friendship a personal relationship and it's only when we truly know him when he's our friend and we find our identity security and purpose in him that we are free to be a true friend for others and that should be our motivation all our friendship loving god loving others moving on to point two then the model for friendship okay now from what we've looked at i could understand how people are thinking all right so clearly i know i understand i need jesus as my friend so i don't really need anyone else jesus and me is okay well that's not actually what the bible teaches genesis 126 says this then god says let us make man in our image after our likeness who is god talking to here let us make man in our image in our likeness god is talking to himself because God is three in one. God the Father, God the Son and the Holy Spirit were all present at creation and they are relational. They are talking to each other. And as image bearers of God, we are made in that way too. We are created to be relational. We are created to be in community, to have a relationship with others. A little further on, um, when God said in Genesis 2.18, he says, it is not good that man should be alone. He wasn't just referring to marriage in this statement. He's referring to people generally God's kingdom was never designed to be Jesus and me. We were never designed to be isolated, to be individuals. We were designed to be knit together as a family. We need each other. We need community. We need friendships. In her book, Connected, Erin Davis actually shares the following illustration about why we need each other so much. She writes the following. A herd of antelope grazes together on an African plain. There are so many of them that they are calm and relaxed, drawing a full sense of security from their numbers. They do not scan the horizon for predators. No one stands guard. They simply eat in peace. But look closer. Something is lurking in the tall grass. A pride of lions is moving forward, slowly, meticulously, in military-like formation. They make a wide circle soon. They will have the herd of antelopes completely surrounded. Suddenly one female lion gives the signal the others have been waiting for. The pride stands up and in unison starts running. The antelopes dart. A planned confusion results, and the lions work together to isolate a single dome. They then move in for the kill and drag their prey off to to the shade to be shared by the pride. We are in that picture. We are are the antelopes because we are weak and vulnerable when we are isolated. Being disconnected from people will create more, has the chance to do more damage than just make you feel lonely or depressed being isolated from people actually is what the enemy can use to have us as his prey to bring us down to take us down to devour us to destroy us 1 peter 5 8 says this be sober-minded be watchful your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour we need each other we need community we need friendships the devil is real like I think sometimes we forget that but he's real he's out, he's prowling around like those lions, where those ads, like he's looking, who can I take out who can I destroy, who can I take down, who is by themselves, who is weak, who is isolated and that's how he does he isolates us he takes us out when we're weak and we're by ourselves, we are stronger when we are together and that's how we're designed to be so how do we go about choosing our friends, what criteria do we use, well the Bible has something to say about this too Proverbs 12 26 and the NIV translation says this the righteous choose their friends carefully but the way of the wicked leads them astray we must choose our friends carefully because we become like the people we spend time with people influence us even if you don't really think they will they will and you notice that because sometimes you pick up like my kids, what do they say? Oh, I'm not being funny, but... I'm like, it really annoys me. But do you know what? I say it. You know, I see it. I'm not being funny, but... Like, and I'm just like, they now say it. The little ones say exactly the same thing. I'm like, I can't get irritated with them because they've got it off me. So um, we become like the people we spend time with. That's why it's so important that we pick our f- friends carefully. The Bible does tell us to choose our friends carefully, but it also gives us some criteria to think through when we are seeking to choose our friends. And there's three cra- categories I want to look at briefly first is friends who sharpen and this is really the i think the most important and foundational one that we really need to all focus on um, because it help protects us it helps protect us from getting isolated and vulnerable proverbs 27:17 says this iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another you know what's your idea of a best friend if somebody asked you well what would you like your best friend to be like what kind of categories would you think of someone that you get along with well someone that you have a laugh with someone that you have similar interests to somebody that accepts you for being you exactly as you are someone who has the same opinions about you maybe about health about food about politics whatever it might be somebody who stands by you they're going to be there through thick and thin no matter what they're always going to be there well they're all great things to act to look for in friends and they're not bad things but the best kind of friend according to proverbs is a friend who sharpens, a friend who points us to Jesus, a friend who sharpens us, who encourages us back to God's worth, who speaks truth to us. Hebrews 10.24 describes a little bit more of what this friend looks like. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We need friends who are going to inspire us. We need friends who are going to provoke us and stir us up to love Jesus more and to love others well. We need friends who are going to help us to grow in godliness. We need friends who are going to strengthen our faith. Faith. (laughs) I know they think strengthen our faith, but strengthening our faith is a good thing. (laughs) We need friends who are going to speak truth to us when we can't see the truth for ourselves because we all go through those times when we can't speak the truth. We're just not in that zone. We need friends who are going to come around and pray for us and speak truth to us and encourage and spur us on. We need friends who are going to correct us, not just accept us exactly as we are but friends who are willing to ask the hard questions. Ask the questions that maybe we don't really want to hear. Proverbs 26 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You know, A faithful friend is willing to wound in the right sense. A faithful friend is willing to ask the hard questions ultimately because they love God. And God, their identity, security and purpose is in God. And they really want to be a faithful friend to you. They don't want to see you just going on and in a way that's unhelpful, they want to seek to ask those hard questions. I had this happen to me one time. I was sharing with them in one of my growth groups about a struggle I have with food. It's still a constant struggle to this day. I can be tempted to eat for the wrong reasons. I could eat emotional. If I'm feeling down about things I can eat, I can eat out of boredom. If I just want something to do, oh, I think I'll sit there and eat. Or I can eat for escapism if I've had a bad day and I just want to forget about it and I can be tempted to eat in that way. And I was talking about this in, in a group setting once and then a friend said to me, have you ever considered it could be gluttony? And I was, I was honestly a bit taken aback about, about at that moment. It was definitely an ouch moment for me, but it was a good moment. It was an ouch moment for me because it hurt my pride. I'm like, gluttony, isn't that like, like just the kings that sat there with their bellies hanging out like with the wine goblets? Like, I don't think that's me. But it was actually a really helpful question, because when I'm seeking to define it biblically, it actually helped me see the seriousness of it a little bit. I mean, emotional eater, comfort eater, idler food. All sounds a little bit nicer than glutton. (laughs) At least in my mind it did. Anyway, but it was really helpful because it helped me see how the Bible speaks into it a bit more, look at verses that talked about gluttony. As I said, this is still a battle for me. And I don't have it all down yet. But I just use that example of where it's actually helpful when a friend was willing to say, have you ever thought about this? And I'm very grateful to my friend for asking that question. And now here's what she did do. She asked a question. You know? She asked the question, have you ever thought about this? Have you considered this? So, you know, her tone was gentle. What she didn't do... She'd say, well, it sounds like you're a bit of a glutton to me. She wasn't <laughs> condemning. She wasn't judgmental. She wasn't like she didn't do any of those things. We can't see other people's hearts. We don't ultimately know why they do what they do. We can ask a question, and we might be right, but we also might be wrong. All we can do is ask a question and say, hey, you know, when you, you know you've talked about your boss a little bit now a few times the last time we met, and do you think it could be gossip? We can ask the question. Or I just noticed, when we're together, when we're hanging out, you say such great things. I'm always encouraged by you. I love to hear what you're reading, how God's challenging you, speaking to you. But when we're in a group setting, you don't really say anything. Why do you think that is? And, you know, maybe she'll oh, look, I'm just shy. I don't don't speak in groups. Well, sometimes it's helpful to ask the question, have you ever considered that could be the fear of man? Have you ever considered that you're more bothered in that setting about what other people might think of you about you than you are about seeking so to encourage and share what God's doing in your life, that's and to encourage and spur other people on. But it is always important to remember you can be wrong. All we can do is ask a question. We can't assume that we see other people's um, hearts and that we know the motives. And ultimately, a friend who never challenges you, a friend who never asks those questions, a friend who lets you be and do and say every, anything you want to regardless, then is not actually a friend as biblically defined. As biblically defined, these people are our enemies. Proverbs 27, 6 says, profuse are the kisses of our enemies. So it seems like they're loving us, they're accepting us as we are. They, they never challenge us, never say anything negative, never ask questions. But actually, as biblically defined, that is your enemy. We need friends who are gonna come alongside and being willing to ask those questions not out of judgments not out of condemnation but willing to ask those questions because they love us that's what we need number one friends who are sharp who sharpen us number two we need friends who need friends you know it's easy to get comfortable with our close friends our people our tribe our group and and close friends are great they are a blessing from god definitely they're a gift but we also need to reach out to the lonely to the new person, to those who need friends. Hebrews Hebrews 13, 1-2 says this, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Do you remember what it's like to be new in a situation? Maybe you turn up to your first day in a new job, you don't really know people, you don't really know how things work, you feel a little bit uneasy. Or you turn up to a church, you know, it's first Sunday visiting, you don't know anyone, but you know, clearly everyone here seems to know each other, But like, what do I do? Do I just stand it awkwardly? Do I go join a group? You know, everyone seems to, to be having a great time, but we just feel like we stand out. We feel like we don't fit in. Well, let's just look at an example of someone who Jesus befriended, who fits this description. It's Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is somebody we see regularly throughout the Gospels. She travelled with Jesus and the 12 disciples. She was right by Jesus at the crucifixion. She was the first person Jesus appeared to at the um, resurrection. Mary was important to Jesus. Mary certainly offered love and comfort and friendship and support to Jesus, but that wasn't always the case. If we look back in Luke 8 8 verse 2, describes Jesus' close circle of friends. It says this, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary... Called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. When Je- when Jesus first met Mary, she had nothing to offer him, nothing. She was possessed by seven demons. She didn't exactly have the qualities that are on the ten best friends, ten things to look for in a best friend list. You know, she was broken, she was needy, but Jesus extended the hand of friendship to her. He pulled her in. He wasn't seeking to look what can I get from this woman. He's seeking to care for her. She needs. She needs to be pulled in. And we need to be like Jesus to those people around us. We need to keep our eyes open. Who are those people around us that need friends? Who are those people that other people don't naturally gravitate towards, don't naturally seek to pull in? And we need to seek to serve those people and be their friends rather than always seek to to be served. We need to be um, encouraging and caring for them and someone to love them as Jesus loved us. We need to keep our eyes open and seek to befriend those who need a friend. And last but definitely not least, we need to, number three, we need to seek friends who don't know Jesus. Jesus was called a friend of sinners by the Pharisees, and they did not mean that as a compliment. They meant it as a criticism. Because the Pharisees kept their distance from tax collectors and sinners. They didn't want to be associated with, with outcasts, social outcasts, people they see as doing the wrong thing. Whereas Jesus interacted with them. Jesus sought to befriend them. He even dined with them. He drank with them. Like I said, Matthew 11:19 19 says this. The son of man came, eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus befriended those people. He didn't just stand on the outside looking and saying, oh, do you see what you're doing there? You don't want to be doing that. He befriended them. He joined in. He accepted them for who they were. And he sought to befriend them. In, in the situations they're in. And one example of this is Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus who was up the tree, listening to him. Well, Jesus goes over that, that tree and calls Zacchaeus down. Zacchaeus who is a tax collector and people don't want anything to do with because all he does is take people's money. But Jesus invites himself over to his house. He says, I'm coming to your house today. Come down, take me home. You know, Jesus befriended him. Jesus befriended social outcasts, the adulterous woman who people brought before Jesus to say, "Look at her, look what she's doing. Let's stone her. What does Jesus do? He befriends her. He pulls her in. And we need to model Jesus' love for sinners. We need to spend time with sinners who do not know Jesus. We need to reach out to them, and we need to protect but out of and we need to protect, but out of genuine care and love for them. We need to seek to love them. We need to seek to befriend them. We need to seek to be Jesus through them. Not as a project, but we actually want to care for them. You know, sometimes these people are never, ever going to respond to the gospel. And that's okay. That doesn't mean we've shared the gospel in three times. Now we're going to move on to someone else. No, that's not being a friend. That's a project. We don't want projects. We want friends of sinners. Friends of people who don't know Jesus. We need to seek to continually love and care for them and point to Jesus all the days of our life. And if they respond to Jesus, that's absolutely great. Obviously, that's our prayer, our hope and desire. But if they don't, we are still their friends and we still seek to care and love for them. We don't just want to see them as a project. But I do just want to put in one little caution here because we do need to be careful because Scripture is clear that we do become like who we spend time with, the people we spend time with. So I think particularly in those kind of relationships, it's very important to ask, who is influencing who? Am I influencing these friends or am I becoming more like these friends? Am I being pulled in and am I being drawn into them? But that is why it's really important that we seek to surround ourselves with those friends who sharpen us, those friends who are going to encourage us, who spur us on to be more like Jesus, those friends who are going to encourage us, yes, go spend time with your unbelieving friends, go seek to win them for Jesus, but they're going to help make sure that you're not going to get pulled in and become more like them. We need that circle of safety friends who are going to help and encourage us and spur us on so that from there we can go out and care for the friends who need Jesus to seek to be Jesus to them. Friendships are important. We need each other. We need friends to sharpen us. We need friends who need friends, and we need friends who don't know Jesus. To conclude then, how do we cultivate healthy biblical friendships? You know, I get it. I get the motive for friendship. I get the model for friendship. How do we cultivate then healthy biblical friendships? And we're going to start off with where we started. We start off with cultivating a friendship with God. friendship is a gift from God and when we truly know him and find our identity security and purpose in him it is then that we are free to be a true and biblical friend to others so let's I want to encourage you ladies get to know God in a real and personal way get to know him in a way that you would call him your closest friend and that is a lifetime endeavor none of us have made it there there's always more we can know about Jesus there's always a greater deeper relationship we can be in with him And how can we do this? How can we grow in it? Number one, through His Word. You know, all relationships begin with information. When you meet someone, hey, how are you? Where do you live? What do you work? You know, where do you work? What do you like spending your time doing? What is your family like? You know, we get to know their likes and dislikes. We get to know what they think about things, how they think and feel. And that's the same with God. The Bible is a whole book about God. So read it. Read it and ask, who is God? What are His likes and dislikes? You know, start in the gospel. Jesus is God. Jesus said, those who know me know my Father. Jesus is God in human form. When we read the Gospels, we get to know who God the Father is. And we get to know through God through the whole entire word. The Bible is not a book of rules. The Bible is a book about God. The Bible is a book about God and the greatest rescue mission ever told, him coming, seeking to save us and to reconcile us back into relationship with him. That is what the Bible is about. So let's read it, read his word and seek to get to know him better through that. And prayer, talking, talking to God. Again, if you're anything like me, this is what I struggle with more than anything. I can read the Bible, but I can find praying a little bit more tricky. Because I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. Praying is simply talking to God. In a way, you would talk to any friend. You don't have to have the right words to say. You can come before him and say things just as you are. Like I was talking to someone the other day, and they were going through a difficult situation. And I said, well, have you been able to pray about? It? And they just said, I don't even know what to pray. I said, well, pray that then. Say I don't really know what to say here God but I need your help and I know that you know God doesn't want us to come to him and just have all the right things to say he wants us to come to him and share our hearts with him to engage with him to have that relationship with him Um, and I think sometimes with God we can have a bit of a challenge in that relationship because it feels a little bit one way like if I go out for coffee with a friend I'm sat there I'm talking to her she's talking to me But sometimes we can think oh well I I talk to God but like it's kind of a bit of a one way conversation He doesn't really speak back and that can be a challenge, and I get that, but it, and it is hard, but the reality is God does speak back to us. He has got a voice, and he does use it primarily through his word. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the Sunday morning sermons. He speaks to us through songs that we might have on, the you know, gospel-centered songs that we're playing. He can speak to us through that. He can speak to us just through illuminating different truths to our hearts. But, you know, we live in such a fast-paced world that I think sometimes we forget to actually take notice and listen for God's voice. You know, if I went out for coffee with a friend and I rushed in, sat down, drank my coffee and spouted out this long list of my life and what's happening and then got up and walked off, you know, I wouldn't be a very good friend, would I? That's not going to really build a friendship. Yet so often that can be what we do in our relationship with God. We sit there and we pray and we spout off different things to God and then we get up and leave. And we don't actually take time to sit and listen, to listen for God's voice, to read his word and consider what is he saying to me through this? God does speak. Well, it's a little bit more like snail mail than instant. So I think in our culture today, we're used to everything like this. God, bang, 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 fast, give me an answer. God doesn't always work like that. Sometimes he does, but sometimes he doesn't. We need to be patient. We need to put in the time. We need to plan regular times. Plan daily times where we can have communion with God, but also plan sporadically some more longer times where we can actually spend time reading God's word, praying to him and seeking to grow in our relationship with him number two then cultivate friendships with those around you here's where we start the commandment says love your neighbor as yourself it's really not that complicated you know if you're wondering who your neighbor is it is the people that God has surrounded you by it's the people you work with it's the people you live by it's the people you go to church with and you do life with the people who are in the natural rhythms of your everyday life God is sovereign he has placed you in a particular time and place. These people that you're around are not by accident. So seek to get to know these people. Seek to get to find out, okay, who can I learn from? Who can I, who can I seek to be sharpened by? Who can I seek to serve? Who can I seek to love and care for? Who does not know Jesus around me? Who can I seek to befriend, to point to Jesus? Now, we can't be friends with everyone. It would be really lovely if we could be friends with everyone, but we need to make sure we don't spread ourselves too thin. Like Jesus had the 12 disciples. And then he had the three that he was closer to, and then he actually had one that was described as the disciple who Jesus loved, John. You know, we can't be deep and meaningful friends with everyone, because then you just feel like, I know so many people, I know 750 people on Facebook, but I don't really feel like I know anyone, and I'm lonely. Like That's the situation we get in. We need to choose our friends carefully okay, who has God put in my life? Who is God put... In my church who has God put in my gospel community that I can seek to get to know seek to love seek to encourage seek to spur on that I can be encouraged by that I can um, seek to be sharpened by but we need to plan we need to be intentional you know make a list i'm not this person i find this boring and i'm a bit more like just to see what happens whereas david's like a list and plan person we probably even each other out quite well but he encouraged me at the beginning of the year just to make a list of the different people in my relation relationship network who do i want to spend time with who am i seeking to reach out to who are my unbelieving friends who are in my group that i'm seeking to build into and care for and it actually was really helpful because it actually helps you plan and plan the time okay do i have time for this Do I not have time for this? I want to invest in this relationship, which means I've probably got to say no to something else. It's much more helpful to have a plan. Think, who is your neighbour? Who is God surrounded you by? Who is God calling you to seek to reach out to and to love? In closing then, friendship is a gift from God. When we truly know him and find our identity, security and purpose in him, we are free to be a true and biblical friend to others and my heart for all of us ladies here at Sovereign Grace is that we would all know Jesus, that we would all have that true and personal relationship with him, that he would be our closest friend than anyone else in the whole world and that then through that relationship, through our relationship with him, we would be able to um, befriend as biblically defined those people around us that our relationship with god is the power source our friendship with him is the power source and that output is that we love each other well that we do life together that we care for each other but we're willing to ask the hard questions when we need to to each other and I, that's my prayer for all of us ladies here at sovereign grace by god's grace let me pray for us as we close lord i do thank you for this time together this morning lord i thank you for the way you've challenged me personally in this message lord for Who am i seeking to reach out to who am i seeking to care for the ways i've sought to make my friendships about me lord i pray for each of us in this room that we would continue to grow in the most important friendship which is our friendship with you lord would you spur us on to want to spend more time with you to press in deeper to you to cultivate that relationship in a real and personal way thank you that you want to have that kind of relationship with us lord help us not to grow familiar with that but seek to continue to grow into a deeper relation with you and then help us to love our friends well lord the people that you've put us around thank you for the community you provided for us lord did you help us as ladies to seek to love and care for each other well as you have defined amen